0: Hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Paula. And I'm your host, Cynthia. And we are Dolls Dolls and Doom. You know, long before there
1: was a shooting at Columbine, or Pulse, or the mass shooting at a music festival in Las Vegas, there was the mass shooting from the tower at the University of Texas. Charles Whitman had two younger brothers a mother who was a devout Catholic, and a father who had a temper, and frequently took it out on his wife and children. Every week his mother took Charles and brothers to Mass, and his father was a gun collector who taught his sons how to shoot and take care of guns. He also took them on hunting trips, and said of a young Charles, quote, he could plug the eye out of a squirrel by the time he was 16.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, what a talent. Yeah.
1: Charles had a high IQ, 139 to be exact. He was said to be a polite child who rarely lost his temper. He was a Boy Scout at 11 and an Eagle Scout at 12 and a talented piano player. When he was 12, he also had a paper route.
0: So it would seem he was a normal kid with a fairly normal life. And I will say my son was in Cub Scouts and to be an Eagle Scout is like, that means they've completed the whole Boy Scout program. Yes. And that it's actually really hard. Most people do it when they're like older teens. So he must have been really, really good at it to right. have finished at twelve. Absolutely.
1: Good I wanna him. say he was
0: the youngest. Wow well, yeah, twelve. That, yeah, that's super young. Yeah. Good for him.
1: He went to high school in West Palm Beach and was considered smart and moderately popular. After graduation he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. He served 18 months and earned a sharpshooter's badge and the Marine Corps Expeditionary Medal. He had high marks on shooting long distance and moving targets. After completing school in Maryland, he transferred to the University of Texas to study mechanical engineering. In the beginning, he wasn't a great student and eventually became known as a jokester. He and a couple buddies were seen poaching a deer someone took down the license plate info and when they were arrested they were actually in the process of butchering the deer in the shower of the dormitory
0: what i know crazy holy cow i don't know i mean i know college students do a lot of crazy stuff but how do you sneak a dead deer into your dorm seriously who didn't see that <laughs> goodness Yeah, okay and i kind of feel like that goes beyond being a jokester <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with hunting. I'm not a hunter, but I have no problem with hunting if it's done, you know, for food and you're going to use, and it's not just done so you can kill an animal. Right. So, I don't, but I guess he was doing it illegally if it was considered poaching. That's what it sounds like. But yeah, to do it in your shower. I mean, I don't know the correct way to clean a deer, but I definitely wouldn't do it in my shower.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be really messy, and can you imagine going into the shower to take a shower and you see that happening (laughs) well i'm not gonna shower tonight (laughs) oh yeah yeah. i
0: i wouldn't want to share the dorm with those boys no
1: thank you in 1962 a 20-year-old whitman had met and married his first serious girlfriend kathleen lessener charles's grades were pretty bad so he was ordered to active duty in north carolina for the rest of his five-year enlistment it was somewhere in that time he had a gambling problem and as a result, he lost his scholarship. He was honorably discharged, and he went back to school at the University of Austin while also working to pay
0: the bills. He was honorably or dishonorably? Honorably. Honorably, okay, that's good.
1: He kept a journal that he titled Daily Record of C.J. Whitman. In it, he would write things like he was afraid of becoming like his father and his contempt for the Marine Corps. In May of 1966, He went back to florida to help his mother move to texas as his parents were now separated his mother could no longer take the abuse charles took himself to therapy a few months before the attack he was seeking help for overwhelming and violent impulses including fantasies of shooting people from the tower somewhere between midnight and 3 a.m on august 1st 1966 charles killed his mother margaret and his wife, Kathleen, by stabbing them both in the chest. He actually left a note saying he was sorry and he believed his mother would be in heaven. The letter left instructions to pay off his debts with his insurance money and to give his dog to his in-laws. This letter read like a suicide note, as it also requested an autopsy be done on his remains.
0: Wow, so he totally snapped.
1: Totally. Charles rented a hand truck cashed in 250 dollars worth of bad checks at the bank and used it to purchase guns and ammo he packed all of it into a footlocker along with a ton of supplies like food coffee vitamins earplugs excedrin matches jugs of water lighter fluid rope binoculars three knives a radio tp and deodorant so he was definitely expecting to be gone for a while around 11:25 a.m Charles arrives at the University of Texas. He hauls his gear to the main building. The elevator wasn't working, and Vera Palmer, who worked in the office, comes over to help. She activates the elevator. He thanks her, saying, quote, you don't know how happy that makes me. He gets off at the 27th floor and drags his stuff up a flight of stairs to the observation deck where he meets another employee, Edna Townsley. He knocks her down to the floor, splitting the back of her skull with a rifle, then hit her above the left eye. Charles drug her body behind a couch so it wasn't visible. Cheryl Botts and Don Walden enter the reception area. Don actually sees the guns, but assumes Charles is just going to hunt pigeons. Charles smiles and says, Hi, how are you? He watched them go down the elevator, then push back the desk across the entrance from the stairway. MJ Gabor his wife Mary and their two sons Mike and Mark were there to visit MJ's sister Marguerite and her husband William. Approximately eleven forty-five, they all were going up the stairs when they found the desk
0: blocking the entrance. So there's a tower at, um, like, an observation tower, I guess, at this university. Yeah. And so tourists or whoever visitors go up there, students go up there to just look around. Yeah. There's and a, that's where he is. Yeah. There's a great view. Okay.
1: So you would take the elevator up to the 27th floor, but then to get to the observation deck, you have to go up another flight of stairs. Okay. And then you can go outside to the observation deck. Okay. Mike and Mark were able to get by, but that's when Charles pulls out his shotgun and shot Mike in the shoulder and Mark in the head. He shot down the stairs, shooting both women. MJ and William went for help. By 1148, Charles started shooting from the observation deck. 231 feet from the ground. He was specifically targeting people on campus and a section of Guadalupe Street, known as The Drag, which has shops, bookstores, and student hangouts. 1147, Claire Wilson and boyfriend Thomas Ekman were having lunch out with friends, and they were walking out to the car when Claire, who was eight months pregnant, was shot in the stomach.
0: Oh my God. Thomas
1: reached out for her but as he did so, he was shot in the chest and died instantly. Claire was in the point in her pregnancy where she was constantly feeling her baby move. She said she felt it move to one side and then never felt him move again. It was a hot day. Someone said it was at least a hundred degrees. She lie there on her back bleeding and burning on the hot pavement. She could hear people saying they need to go help that pregnant woman, but others were saying, no, if we go out there, we will die. A girl named Rita Starpattern Pattern ran over to her, lay down on the pavement, and talked to Claire, asking questions, and basically helped keep her conscious. After seeing that poor pregnant girl lying there in the hot sun, two boys, James Love and John Artley, risked their own lives and ran out to her, picked her up, and carried her to safety. They even went back for Thomas. Neil Spels, a reporter for KTBC Radio, did a live broadcast from his car as he drove toward the tower. He warned Austin citizens there was a sniper in the tower with a rifle and to stay away from the university. He parked as close as he could and continued to report everything as it was unfolding in front of him.
0: Did the baby die?
1: I'm afraid so. Did but did she live? She lived.
0: Her husband died?
1: Um, he wasn't the husband, he was a boyfriend. Oh. She was already pregnant when they met. Okay. And they fell in love oh. and they were ju- had just recently moved in together. Oh, did he die? Yes. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, he died instantly. Ugh. Many students were still in class and could do nothing but look out the window and watch in horror as other students were being shot. Four minutes into the shooting, a teacher called the police, but the first police officer to respond was shot and killed. Officer McCoy was looking for a way into the tower when a male student offered to help. Claiming he had a rifle at home, McCoy offered to drive him there to get the rifle. Austin PD didn't have weapons that would reach the tower from the ground, so anyone with a gun was encouraged
0: to assist. Because, hello, Texas. <laughs> Everyone, every, everyone's got a gun in Texas. Yes. Everybody. Same in Kentucky. I have family in Kentucky. And, oh, okay. Um, they okay. Everybody's got a gun. People were hiding behind walls,
1: trees, open car doors. No one knew what to expect or how long this horror would last. This was a crime scene that was five blocks wide. In the end, it lasted 96 minutes. Store manager, Alan Crum, saw a couple of boys across the street and a few people standing around them. He figured it was a fight. So he went over to see what was going on, but then realized a boy on a bicycle delivering newspapers had been shot. It wasn't until he was outside that he heard the shots and unable to safely cross the street back to the store. He went further down the street, looking for a payphone to call his wife. When he finally did find a phone, the lines were jammed. He went further down and actually ended up at the tower. Officer Ramirez was at home and heard the report on the radio. So he called into work to see how he could help. He was told to go direct traffic, but when he arrived at the university, that was already being done. So he went into the tower. He expected to see a team of officers, but all that was there was officers Cowan, Day, and Mr. Crum. Cowan gave Crum a rifle and said to cover him. Crum insisted they deputize him first. Under the stairs on the way to the reception area, they found Marguerite, Mark, and Mike, who told them he's out there pointing to the observation deck. Meanwhile, McCoy and other officers were making their way underground through maintenance tunnels. Martinez reached the observation deck first. Crum accidentally fired the rifle. And when Charles turned to look, Martinez and McCoy fired at Whitman, killing him. But the shots below kept coming. The people on the ground didn't realize Charles was dead. So Crum took the white handkerchief from his pocket and waved it. And soon the shots below stopped. Slowly people came out of their hiding places in a daze. The sniper was dead but the horror continued in the hospital. Not everyone that came in had identification on them, so they had a lot of dead bodies that they couldn't identify. There were so many wounded they had to broadcast on the radio for the types of blood they needed people to donate. The shootings became international news, and it was on the cover of Life magazine the next week. A chilling picture of the victim's viewpoint of the tower through a window with bullet holes in it. It was because of the mass shooting swat teams were first created
0: oh wow yeah i didn't know that yeah that makes sense though
1: yeah totally it wasn't until 2006 that a memorial garden was put in and dedicated to the victims of those affected and memorial service was held thanks to president larry faulkner on the 15th anniversary of the shooting a plaque with all the names was added in 2008, a list of the names that helped to stop Charles were added to the plaque on an Austin police station building. Now, the observation deck is closed and only open for guided tours, and everyone is screened by a metal detector.
0: That's a really sad story. I know. That's awful. And I'm so proud of like the people who ran out and put themselves in harm's way right. to help somebody. I always thought I'd be one of those people but in that circumstance you don't really know what you would do yeah until you're in it right and it would be terrifying absolutely and honestly I don't know that I would I don't know that I would run out in front of a gunman you know what I mean and not because I didn't care but just I don't know that my instinct would allow me to do that right I would like to think that I would but I, I I don't know right so when I hear stories like that I just think that's like the ultimate and bravery Mm -hmm. and just like a good person yeah ultimate sacrifice to sacrifice your life to help someone else right which goes against our nature right you know of survival wow i um i feel like i have heard of that it's kind of crazy to think that these like mass shootings have been going on for so long It was 1966 long time yeah wow that's scary that's a sad case it is so you told me about this show on hbo mm-hmm. and i have to say thank you publicly because i totally <laughs> binged it it's so good oh my gosh! i'm the, telling all my friends to watch yes, it and it's they are so good the flight attendant <laughs> yes with um Kaylee cuoco oh my gosh okay so i'd only ever known her from like the big bang theory which i know you are a huge big bang theory fan huge, and i like it but it's not my favorite okay And I always thought that you know, she was fine. She was a fine actress, but I mean, it's not hard to to be the romantic lead in a A comedy. That's not hard, yeah. Girl, that woman can act. I know. She was amazing. Yes, in the flight attendant, she showed every, literally every emotion there is. She portrayed, and she portrayed so beautifully. And she looked amazing. Now, see, my husband has a crush on her. He loves her. <laughs> I don't blame him. Oh, yeah. He's like head over heels for her in The Big Bang Theory. And I think she's 100 times more gorgeous in uh, The Flight Attendant now that she's like a woman. You know right, what I mean? Like right. she's, she's She's an adult. Yes. And she is insanely hot. So I'm like, honey, you got to watch The Flight Attendant. You're going to love <laughs> her. She is so good. It was really good. So thank you for telling me about that. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. And you know why she's in such good shape?
1: Is because she's a huge tennis player.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Even before the Big Bang Theory. Like, she said that if she didn't go into acting, she would have been a tennis player. Okay. And she is. So
0: that explains. Yeah. Yeah. She has a smoking hot bod. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's awesome. How old is she? Do you know? I would guess she's, like, around my age. I am 38, for the record. I would guess she's, like, somewhere in there. Um... You don't don't know? know. I can Google it really good. No, I can't. Don't have my phone. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I would guess she's about there. She she may be a little younger. But yeah, she looks good. But great show. Great twist. It's on HBO. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, The other show, I don't know if you told me about this or not, but is it Murder on South Beach? Is that what it's called? That is what it's called. I don't know if I'm the one that told you about that. I just finished watching that also. So good. Yeah. So, so we, we, I guess we can't do any spoilers, but this guy, he, he was 18 at the time. His mother is murdered, and pretty much everybody in her life had motive to kill her. Like, right. literally everybody. Right. Um, and so, he makes a documentary, you know, 10 years later or however. I don't know exactly how long, but I think he be, starts it, like, six years after her murder. And he right. works on it for several years. And it was just heartbreaking mm-hmm. to, like, watch him try to find these answers on who killed his mother and literally everybody anybody that you look at you think they could have done it they had reason they had motive they had the ability you know I think he exonerated a few people right I do too um but yeah that was that was really interesting and still walking away I have my theory and I won't I won't say because I don't want to spoil but I really have no idea who did it me neither. I would say the person who was so hesitant to talk.
1: Yeah, that was suspicious. Yeah, we saw the inside of her house.
0: Um, who? Huh? Whose house? The guy, I, the person I'm thinking is a man.
1: Oh. You're thinking okay. of a woman? Okay, I'm, I'm thinking of the woman that said anonymous, and you only saw her for like the waist down, but she was in her house. Oh. So anyone that has been in her house is going to be like, oh, that's no. so-and-so.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking... I'll just say it cuz it doesn't tell you anything, but I, I her ex-husband it to me is the most suspicious person yeah. just because he everybody else would like talk he would not even he wouldn't even talk to his son about normal stuff, like right. just their life together. He right. was just very suspicious and he had a checkered past that he you know, you would want to share that with your kid even though it's ugly parts of it like they're coming to you saying can you please help me understand Yeah, this? I'd like to learn more. Right. And um he uh he was the only person who just absolutely wouldn't wouldn't help. Yeah. In any way. So very suspicious. That is suspicious to me. But yeah. So two good shows. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. We try to bring new episodes every Friday. And um, in the meantime, if you can check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, like us, rate us, share, uh, tell your friends, we'd sure appreciate it.
1: And if you have any creepy stories that you'd like us to cover, let us know.
0: Oh, yeah. Email us at dollsanddoom at gmail.com. We check that email. You can um, tell us what you want us to cover. Hey, we actually were contacted by Brendan Dassey's brother. That's right um he reached out to us and wanted to let us know uh a little more about what his brother you, you may remember a couple weeks ago on our true crime chat we talked about um several different uh, cases but one of them was the making a murderer documentary and brendan dassey is steven avery's nephew who is also in prison for um murder and um his brother actually reached out to dolls and doom uh, wanting to tell us a little more of what he believed happened. So we may bring you some more information over, uh, the next coming episodes as we get it. But yes, we wanted to say
1: thank you for reaching out. And if we can find and dig some more information, we will definitely let you know.
0: Absolutely. Cause we definitely believe there's a lot of, um, inconsistencies in that case. And we don't think that either one of them were given a fair trial. So right. All right. Well, Thanks so much. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.